in the pattern podcast. Make left traffic clear for the option. Minneapolis departure, Archer 641, Charlie, Charlie, 2000, climbing 3000. Line up and wait, 7 range, more Mike Alpha. Mark Tower, 172, Romeo Hotel, holding short on 133, ready to take off. Alvin Dutton, about to get two on Mike, and then we're I'm John. I'm Chris. I'm Brad. And I'm Mark. And we are the In the Pattern Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the End the Pattern Podcast. This is episode 62. This is Chris, and along with me tonight I've got the whole crew, which is nice. We've got some uh, catching up to do, and we're glad you are along with us in the virtual hangar. Um, I'd like to uh, first say hi to uh, Mr. Conway, a.k.a. the newest dad of the bunch. How's it going, man? It's going well. I'm here. I'm awake, I think. Do you remember sleep? Uh, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I said, do you remember what sleep is like? <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to crack open a lining's here. Oh, man. I'm very, uh, very happy for uh, you and the missus. It's very exciting, and uh, I love the pictures. Keep them coming. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a fun, what, three weeks tomorrow? Um, so... Awesome. I don't know. <laughs> not, not much sleep happening here, but I did do flying. Hey, I did do some flying. Hey, I saw that, and that's very impressive. Just uh, yep. hey, you know, you got to keep that going, no matter what it takes. That's cheating. <laughs> I I had to bargain a lot, but it it I, I got it done. More on that. Are later. you sh- shopping for the proper car seat to to fit the airplane? I think the car seat we have will be fine. Yeah. Probably so. Probably so. Well, that's awesome. And that who you heard jumping in there a little bit ago, that was Brad. What's going on, man? Uh, just enough, I guess. Yeah. Um, been keeping busy, got a few tales to tell, and uh, looking forward to chatting with you all and seeing one of you in just a few weeks. Yeah, I am uh, stoked about getting out there. Matter of fact, speaking of that, I, uh, I was... Um, I don't know, I saw an ad for Southwest about, you know, flight prices and stuff, and I was like, huh, I wonder if my flight got any cheaper. And I, I paid with points, um, and I went on there, and sure enough, it did. So I called Southwest, and uh, I was like, hey, uh, I noticed the, the flight got a little bit cheaper. Do I need to cancel my flight and rebuy it, or how's that work? He goes, no, no, let me check. He goes, yep, it sure it is. Here, let me just, uh, tran- or he just um, credited me back about 7,000 points. So I was like, sweet. You know, that's always a good thing. They are really good about doing that, too. Because, mm-hmm. like, even with, uh, I paid with dollars once, and it was just, you go online, rebook it, and then the money just comes back into your account. You have, like, a year to use it or something. Yeah, so simple. So simple. And when you, um, when you're, you know, we got a Southwest card and stuff, and we're de- we deal with the points mostly, and, um, you know, um, when you, when you do that, you only pay, like, I think, my flight out there cost 11 bucks and the few points that it added up to. So pretty good deal. Yeah, I've spent $5 going down to Sun and Fun. There you go. Exactly. Uh, Anyways, that brings us to uh, Mark. What's going going on up there in NorCal? Uh, It's finally cooled down a little bit. We got some breezes, but uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> I did a little bit of flying and have some other stuff to talk about. And, uh, yeah. Are it's you, good to be you, back on here. Excellent. You, you, uh, you guys battling any fires up there? Uh, surrounding us, yeah. There's actually one in the foothills just uh, to the east. Basically, I'd say a quarter of the way between my house in Roseville and uh, Lake Tahoe. Um, they, they, uh, I just brained them what they're calling it, but it's like the trailhead fire. That's what it is. And, uh, we've actually had, uh, one of the tanker 10 fleet, uh, they were, they were vectored up here to help take care of it because, uh, it was the, the way that, that the terrain is, <clears throat> excuse me, it's very steep on both sides. And it was, there actually had fires climbing the hill on both sides, catching each other and, um, I think they have it. Uh, last I heard, fifty or sixty percent contained. But uh, it's 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 a scary one. Yeah, tis the season for it. We've got our uh, our few fires going on out here all the time. It seems like. Is that the uh, the DC ten tankers that's up there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think they they were down here before they went up there. I think. Yeah, they're actually. Uh, well, their home base is. Um, I, I just forgot it again. It's just west of Edwards. There's a big. Big airport right there. I'm not not Susanville. Uh, hmm. It'll come to me. Yeah. But uh, that's their home base, so it makes it easier for them to to like you know come up here, go down to you where yeah. all the hotspots are. So they, they now have the three, southwest. Yeah, they have uh, they have three active tankers now. So they have nine ten, nine eleven, and nine twelve. Wow. Yeah, it's a busy fleet. Yeah, they and my uh, my brother in law is actually. Uh, as a flight engineer on, I believe, 910. Well, well our uh, thoughts and prayers go out to those guys. They've got a uh, an interesting and dangerous job. So uh, yeah, Absolutely. Man. Well, yeah, it's uh, episode 62. We are officially 16 days away from uh, Brad and I heading to Oshkosh. And it's pretty much on my mind every single day throughout the day. Um, and with all the updates that's going on, um, you know, through EAA about who's who's still coming, they keep loading up uh, the website every day with some new stuff. It's it's getting really exciting. Uh, I know, um, you know, uh, Mark and uh, and John are able to make it, and uh, this will be a little bit different this year. Uh, normally, uh, Conway's always out there, and um, so it'll be a little bit different, and really different for me because I'm used to coming at the very well, towards the middle of the show and stay into the end, and this year we're hitting it up from the very beginning. So I'm kind of exci- excited to see, um, you know, even the mass arrivals. And speaking about that, Brad, I just saw mass arrivals for Cherokees, July 23rd at 11 a.m. Really? <laughs> so uh, that'd be fun. I, we're going to be mixed up in that, aren't we? Uh, there's a pretty good chance. Depends on uh, when I can get you in the aircraft. Yeah, we could get there earlier if you want. It just it just all depends. But uh, yeah, yeah. Cherokees are set to be there at 11 a.m. Bonanzas at 1 p.m. Cessnas at 2:30, and then the Moonies are coming in on Sunday at 11. That's what I'm, what we're showing on the uh, website. So yeah, I, I've never been there to see uh, that uh, controlled chaos going on, but it should be exciting. Yeah, I'm never there at the uh, at the beginning of the show either, so this will be a first. Yeah, I am pumped. So, speaking of that, so I so I've got my plane. Uh, my I'm leaving uh, from Phoenix uh, to MSP on Southwest, and I'm leaving Friday night 
at like 8.30 my time. I show up in MSP at, at about like 1.30 in the morning. And so the plan is, is just to find a spot and, and nap until you call me on my phone and say, hey, I'm, come, I'm heading your way, you know. And whatever, whatever time that is, whatever time it is. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be before 11 a.m. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Uh, you should go to. You should get the bus over to Signature, and then uh, just tell them that I'm going to pick you up, and you need to wait in the pilot's lounge. You can sleep there; it's a lot more comfortable, and there's free cookies and coffee and stuff. Are Are you serious? Yeah, you might as well. I can pick you up at Signature just as easily as I can pick you up at MSP. But you're talking about flying into MSP. To- no, not necessarily. <laughs> you don't have to tell them that, though. Oh. Okay, now I'm confused. Is is Signature not an FBO on MSP's airport? They are. Okay. But you can go hang out there. It's a lot more comfortable than oh, being on the terminal. I see. I see. And then you just come pick me up in a car. I see. There you go. Okay. Okay. I'm slow. I'm slow. All right. That's okay. I get it. But it would have been much cooler for you to pick me up on the ramp. If you want to pay the ramp fees, I would <laughs> gladly pick you up on the ramp. Yeah, I'll pass. I'll pass. Okay. Yeah. You might not get to uh, uh, overfly MSPs, Bravo, but uh, certainly you can land there if you want to pay for it. I'm sure. You can. It's about a hundred bucks. Yikes! Even for a little plane, huh? That's as cheap as it gets. Well, you know, um, a few years ago we were we were doing um, lunch over at uh, uh, Cutter Aviation at, at Phoenix, and uh, they were taking care of all the landing fees or whatever, and so. You could fly over there, land it, land it uh, at Phoenix, and then taxi over and shut down and have lunch for free at Cutter, and they never charged us a dime. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I actually mentioned that in a letter to the chair of the Minneapolis Airport Commission that runs mm. MSP and all the reliever airports, including Crystal, where I'm based. And uh, he said, yeah, you know, I'm a pilot, and I would love to do that, and it sounds like a great idea, but I'm bound by uh, statute to prevent general aviation aircraft from landing at the big airport. Mm. Well, I, I think MSPs might be a little busier even than Phoenix. Phoenix is pretty busy, but um, I, I remember when we were flying over MSP last year, um, I don't know, they got, what do they got, five runways? Uh, let me think. I think it is five, yep. They have uh, several parallel and some crossing and stuff, and diagonal or something like that it's so i assume based on the runway count that it's even busier than phoenix is it it's a mess Uh, all those parallel runways necessitate you know lasso operations most of the time oh heck yeah 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 for sure so anyways man it's uh it's been a busy summer already i've uh i just got back from a cruise um we uh went down to uh fort lauderdale and jumped on a uh a Royal Caribbean uh, cruise, and uh, my family and extended family, my daughters, my daughters, uh, um, the in-laws, you know, and uh, some other friends. There were 17 of us all together. Uh, did a little cruise. Went down to Cozumel, Mexico, um, Lab, or uh, see Jamaica and Labadee, Haiti, and uh, that was pretty fun. We did some um, um, scuba diving in uh, in Cozumel, which was really fun. Um, so I'm now certified to be uh, below sea level and above sea level, so that's kind of fun. Cozumel's uh, diving is the best. I ha- I had heard that, and uh, that's one of the reasons why I said, "Hey, let's go get certified." So 
myself and um, um, Jason, which is the reason why we even did the cruise, is that uh, um, my daughter's uh, in-laws, this side of the family, who we're best friends with, they're the same people you see us camping with on Facebook and whatnot. So um, Richard's oldest son, Jason, uh, just graduated from dental school, and so as a uh, kind of a, a party thing, we decided let's do a cruise. So um, he got certified, and um, our friend um, um, uh, Chad. So Chad, uh, Jason, and I went and got certified, and uh, uh, a bunch of the other guys were already certified. So we heard that it was really fun, and, and I got to tell you, incredible um, visibility of hundreds and hundreds of feet. I, I couldn't tell you how far, but it seemed like forever. Yeah, my uh, my retirement plan is to move to Cozumel, <laughs> buy a house down there, and um, basically I can dive whenever I want, and I'm going to run a float there plane business for tours. I'm down. So uh, I think that's my, my, my retirement plan. I'm down for that. Uh, I'll probably retire before you, so if I, I, I'll get down there and get it started for us. Awesome. Just let me know. I'll come down and help out in all summer um, long. In Cozumel, it's uh, instead of regular scuba diving, they call it drift diving because of the current. And it was really interesting. Um, as soon as you did your you know, long stride off of the edge of the boat and you plopped in the water, when you popped up and surfaced, the boat was already like 30 feet away because the current is that fast. And so you just you know let the air out of your BC sink down and just assume any form you want and it just takes you um from wherever you want it to be to the end um and uh you can go left or right but if you want to go back to see something against the current good luck it just uh just really wasn't happening um but uh it was it was really cool you didn't really have to struggle too much to uh you know maintain forward momentum that's for sure i uh I got a cool picture I think I posted on Facebook. Um, there's a picture of a barracuda, a couple foot long, and he's got a yellow lure in its mouth still. So that was the one that got away. Anyways, so uh, we're back, and um, it was an exciting uh, exciting trip. Um, since then, I've got to do a little bit of flying, uh, not, myself, not on my own, but uh, uh, with a uh, light sport man, um, Jonathan Smith. And... Um, Jonathan is uh, is a, uh, a resident out here, and he's uh, he's got his uh, light sport ticket just recently, and uh, he's on fire to get his um, light sport instructor certificate now. So, man, we all kind of envy him. He he goes out there and rents this uh, um, this light sport. What is it? It's a Remos um, GX out at uh, Scottsdale Airport. He's been renting that thing. I don't know, three four days a week, sometimes more. Um, and, uh, so when I have time, I'll go out there and, uh, and meet him in the morning before work and just do, you know, just do a quick flight somewhere and back, um, for him in the light sport category at cross country flights, only 25 nautical miles. So we can pick, you know, any one of several airports and just do a down and back real quick and he can log it as, as cross country. And after he gets, uh, I forget how much, you know, he's, he's qualified to go take the test for his, um, his uh, certification to be a instructor. Is that the same CFI process as it is for private? Uh, I don't think it's it's nearly as intense. Um, I'm sure there's a check ride, uh, and I, matter of fact, I, I've decided I'm going to look into it too. Uh, 
I want to go fly this plane because <sighs> it's a little bit weird. Um, first of all, a couple of things. Number one, he tells me that his friends and other people that fly this plane, that we can't go to Sedona in it. And why, so I said, well, why is that? Well, the, yeah, he's, that's what I said. Why not? And he's like, well, they said it'll never make it. And I'm again, why not? It's got the same Rotax, 100 horse Rotax in it that hundreds of other planes do. And what do these planes do? They fly cross country. That, that, air, that engine is the same as the engine in the 172 that I fly. It's probably fine up to 14,000 whatever feet, right? There's, yeah, no. and it's like, can you fly a Cub there? Yeah, right. I mean, it's got a 65-horsepower engine in it. Exactly. My point exactly. And so I'm like, all right, um, John, we're going to go take this thing to Sedona. There's no reason why. that You know, maybe it's not going to climb at 600 or 1,000 feet per minute to get up to six or 7,000 feet in order to get us there. But we'll get there eventually. We don't have to outclimb the mountains right away. There's miles and miles between us and the nearest mountain at four, five, six thousand feet that we need to clear. So, I, I have no idea. You can turn around and climb. Yeah. In a circle. You can circle and climb all day long. I just had to do that a couple of weeks ago. Did you? Yeah. Well, well, um, and then so the other day, so I've flown with him a couple times. Just I went down to Goodyear and back, and then the other day he's like, "Hey, let's go to." Um. Oh, I can't think of the other. Uh, I was gonna say Hila Band, but that wasn't where it is, but. Anyways, uh, let's go to this other airport. I'm like, oh, cool. I was like, uh, I was like, let's do a Bravo transition. And um, he's like, okay. I've, I've, he hadn't done that before. So I was like, I got the radios. We'll take care of it. So what's funny is that, so I call up Phoenix Approach and tell him, you know, this is light sport, November, blah, 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 you know, and uh, request Bravo transition in route to wherever, you know. And, uh, and they said, what kind of a plane are you? I go, it's a, it's a Remos GX. And they said, What's the four-digit um, identification number? I'm like, no idea. He didn't know what it was either. And he goes, say the airplane again. I go, it's a Remos, R-E-M-O-S-G-X. And he's like, okay. So later on, I went and looked up on the Internet, and I think it just goes by GX. There's not a four-digit, but they just say a GX. I don't know. Um, I went on to that uh, ICAO site that you can look up that information, and that's all I came up with. That's weird. So, anyways, we got to do a Bravo transition. He was super excited about that, and I, it's kind of fun. The plane has a stick instead of a yoke, and I just, I, I just get off on planes with with the stick instead of a yoke. It just, it feels like you're just more connected to the plane. Something about it. Were you getting kind of a fighter pilot <laughs> thing going on? <laughs> yeah, in the Remos, exactly. Re uh, yeah, really. <laughs> well, well here. Hey, I feel you. The Diamond DA20 right, you know. was the same way. <laughs> and when I when I was in uh, when we were in Seattle a few years ago, and I and I did that float plane, um, that was the same thing. That was an American Champion uh, Scout, except for that was a tandem, so it even was even more because you know you were center line with the airplane. But you know, just something about it. if I ever purchased an airplane, I would try really really hard to buy something with a stick. But RV. Yeah. That'd be great. I, I'm still hard set on picking up an RV7A. Mm -hmm. So you would you would prefer to go with the tricycle gear? Yeah. Just 
just so you don't have to deal with the insurance of the tail wheel and so forth. Yeah, that's that's some of it, yeah. But there, I'm actually finding yeah. there's a lot more of the, the tricycle gear out there available than the than the tail wheels. Probably so. Probably so. Yeah, tail wheels are expensive to insure. Mm-hmm. Until you got a few hundred hours in them, of course. But Well, I mean as a rental. Know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's I, probably the reason why there's only like a couple around here that I even know of tail wheels to rent. I was just looking at the at the requirements for Sport Pilot when you mentioned the Bravo transition. I was like, "Oh, is that a thing that they can do?" Yeah, as long as he's got a sign off. Right, you need a you need an endorsement to operate in Bravo Charlie or Delta airspace. Let's just say that I was pilot in command at that point. For all intents and purposes. I was going to say if you were if you were PIC, <laughs> then you should you should not have a problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but matter of fact, you don't need an endorsement per flight. You just need one endorsement. That's right. And then and you're good to go. I had to get a I had to get a Bravo endorsement when I was um, when I was doing my private pilot. Um, yeah, I know student pilots have to have an endorsement. Yeah. So yeah, he needs to get a, a, his own check off from a uh, instructor, which is also a funny story because the instructor at the uh, FBO that rents this place just left for his airline gig. So now there is nobody at that school that I know of uh, that uh, could even give me a checkout if they wanted to. So, sp so speaking of that, one of the other reasons why I want to fly this plane is because when, when John comes in to land this plane, he, he plants this thing on the ground like a carrier, like a carrier landing. And, he has and, a tail hook out? He, uh, I think he thinks he does. And I'm like going, dude, what is with that? He goes, that's what they've told me to do. I go, I understand. He doesn't, there's hardly any flare at all. Next that, to nothing. That doesn't make it, any sense. And I'm like, the plane is, I'm thinking, you know, and I might be talking out my you-know-what here, but I'm thinking the plane is too lightweight and small to be like pounding onto the ground like that, right? Um, they're designed supposedly to stall at like 43 miles an hour or something. You get out and walk. <laughs> <laughs> and and he's coming across the numbers at at uh, close to sixty knots. These have flaps. Yep, yep. It's got flaps. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I want to go get checked out in this plane is I want to find out. I'm like, it, there's no stall horn either, by the way. So you're not going to ever hear that. But um, it's not a nose up, you know, attitude when he's planting it on the ground. So if there's any uh, Remos GX pilots out there, any Remos pilots. Uh, that fly these, I'd love to hear from you uh, about your thoughts on that and what, what kind of training you got and, and was told to uh, to land these planes. Yeah, check the POH too. I mean, 1.3 VSO should be pretty, you know, yeah. not dissimilar from what you get in a Cherokee, I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. the bottom of the white arc in a Cherokee is like 35 knots. Mm. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. The, uh, this plane also only has one radio in it, so it's, uh, it can be challenging at times when you're transitioning airspaces or need to get an ATIS before you land while you're also talking to another airport or whatever, you know. So it's one of those things that he's like, you know, I took him, I took him flying a few months ago. We did a night flight around the valley and landed at all these airports, and he's like, I could never do this. I'm like, why not? He's like, one radio. And like for example, you know, you if you Bravo transition Phoenix to the south, land at Chandler, and then go want to go land at uh, Williams Gateway next, their airspaces are within 
less than a mile of each other. And then from Williams Gateway to Falcon Field, their airspaces overlap. And so you tell them that, hey, I'm going to Falcon next, you know, so they'll release you early. But if you've got to get, if you're going to land, do touch and goes, you need ATIS. So, yeah, it'd be, it'd be challenging for sure to be trying to get that and making sure you're not missing radio calls and ticking off ATC at the same time, you know. Chris, let me ask you this, and, and mm. I don't know if you've had this conversation with him. If he's if he's putting this many hours in a light sport, why hasn't there... he bought one? No, 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 no. Oh. Why is he still with a light sport? I mean, is there is oh. there a reason that that he doesn't go and just get his private? Yeah, yeah, medically. Okay. He he's the he's the epitome of reason why to get a light sport actually. But but only for a little while longer. Um, he, but you still have to pass pass an initial um, medical right. So, oh, so, yeah, probably so, once. Yep. So as Brad's, uh, as Brad's alluding to, um, one of the things that we just found out today is, or recently is about the FAA reauthorization uh, was extended to September of 2017, and it's going um, to be going before, um, um, what is it, Congress to get signed off or whatever, houses, and then, to, yeah. Yeah, and then, the, then the president to sign off. It should be a matter of a formality now, but I do believe that you have to get an initial... Um, check out with a uh, uh, NFA medical doctor or whatever, and and then from there you're good. From then on, um, but yeah, um, John. Unfortunately, there's a couple things going against him. I, I he's had a heart attack and a stroke, um, and he's uh, he's got to be under 40, um, and then and then he stutters pretty bad. And I I didn't know this, but uh, actually. The stuttering things uh, enough to possibly keep you from getting a uh, a ticket. Um, however, when I'm in the airplane with him, he seems more um, comfortable in the plane talking on the radio uh, than he does just standing, you know, face to face talking with me over a cup of coffee. So I think he does very very well over the radio, and I'm I'm glad for that. So I wonder if it's because his brain is focused on other things. Maybe, maybe we're gonna we're gonna try and get uh, John on uh, the next episode. So a uh, shout out to John. We'll be uh, looking you up. I I tried to get a hold of him for this one, but he's out of town right now. So uh, we're gonna hit him up for episode sixty three and and get the backstory on how everything's going and what his uh, goals and plans are and uh, just uh, why he started and all that good stuff about wanting to be a pilot. You know. That's cool because I have a lot of questions for him. Just uh, from the light sports side, I think it's a great way to 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 get into aviation. Um, maybe a little bit cheaper way to get into it, um, but I want to know more about his CFI uh, uh, plans and and yeah. all the spe- all the spe- the specifics behind that. Yeah, exactly. As a matter of fact, I thought in the beginning before I started down the road of uh, my regular um, 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 ticket, yeah, private ticket that uh, that I was going to go light sport, and the reason why was because of the price. But then I found. That I wasn't ever going to find a plane to rent, so I just would forget it. So. Right, and and honestly, I think with the private, you have a lot more options, which well, you've started to kind of, yeah, get get your feet wet in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, anyways, uh, hey, speaking of flying and what just happened recently, anyone uh, has anyone ever went flying on Independence Day from the air at night and watched? Any I've of talked the... about it for like the last four years. <laughs> you and me both. It, but but um, um, somebody here in my local area had an exciting uh, uh, event. 
uh, I guess we'll say. <laughs> Not sure I like the way that sounds. Well, no, you know, uh, Aaron Cambridge, he's, he's, a, uh, he's a local guy here. He flies out of Sacramento Executive. And he uh, actually just got a job uh, with Cal Fire. He flies a, a 172 or 182 spotting. Um, oh. But he was out doing his thing, and he takes his personal... I think he owns a 172. I'm not 100% sure, but he was up north, and he was doing his thing for the day, and he was flying back on the 4th. And as he was on final at about 500 feet uh, into SAC Exec, somebody fired off what he called a mortar, but it was more <laughs> like a, a Roman candle, and it actually yeah. it detonated uh, just to uh, just underneath him and off to the right. He said it was still probably 100 feet away, but it, it scared the you-know-what out wow. of him. Yeah. Um, he's like, now I kind of feel what it's like to <laughs> combat fly, you know? And right. you got mortars coming off, going off after mm -hmm. you. Um, but, yeah, I, I've, I've, Haley yeah. and I have talked about doing it because we actually have several shows that go off on the 3rd in our local area, and then we have big ones on the 4th. And we've talked about it, and, and but I've, I've talked to other people, and they're like, yeah, done it. Not super impressive, unless you're willing to get way down low. Um, it's you're actually even yep. if you're at fifteen hundred feet, you're still higher above the fireworks than you are on the ground. That's true. That's absolutely true, and that's what I've heard before. That's just like these little poofs of light below you, and you get no sense of, um, you know, because they're not coming. You can't really see them coming up at you. They just poof, you know. Right. Yeah, so, I, and, I've flown over it, not on the fourth, but on just summer nights and it's really it's quaint it's cute it, and it's tiny yeah <laughs> yeah i guess well, if you were down at like 500 feet or something then maybe it'd be a little more exciting but uh right and and probably you're going to be at a thousand feet uh, anyways uh, in a populated area like sure. i would be anyways and like you probably mark too yep. but uh yeah so and those things are only probably going up a couple you know three four hundred feet and then and then bursting so yeah it, it might be neat to do once, and you know, I'll probably like the rest of them. You'll be like, yeah, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Right. It, it's good to add it to your checklist. Okay, did that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Put that in the logbook. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Man, it is, uh, it's been ridiculously hot out here. And uh, when I've been going flying with John uh, in the morning at like 6 a.m., you know, it's still it's trying to break 100 degrees at that point. So I am uh, I'm excited. Huh? Yeah, I know, right? Um, I'm, I, I built that little DIY air conditioner system, remember, last year, and I've yet to use it. So I'm kind of exci excited to uh, get that tested here pretty soon. So. It would be great to have it in the plane. However, if, you're, if your density altitude is such that you're not climbing out of anything. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, uh, like, for example, uh, Deer Valley sits at about 1,400, 1,500 feet, and I, I've been there on density altitude days when it's, uh, like, 3,500. So. You know, it's one of those days you're you're not really excited about heading north and going somewhere like, uh, you know, go to Flagstaff where it's already nine thousand feet and the DA is twelve. <laughs> yep. Yeah, makes for a very long rollout. <laughs> so on that Take on off. that elongated segue, um, I actually went flying uh, June third. My my sister in law and her nephew were out here from uh, Tennessee uh, for Haley's high school graduation. Mm. So we, we did a lot of family stuff throughout the week, and she actually works for an um, international company that, that that's into aviation. I'll just say that. And she's asked me kind of not to talk about what she actually does, but 
it, they're into aviation and they they sell a lot of things aviation related. So when when I you know she knows I'm a private pilot and that you know I like to go fly. So she never asked me, but I offered. I'm like, hey, while you guys are here, you know, do you want to go up and and go fly? And she's like, I couldn't. I can't believe you hadn't asked me yet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There you I go. have a I have a picture of her in a in a tan flight suit getting ready to get into a Cobra. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so she she's flown some stuff. <laughs> she's not a pilot herself, but she's 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 tested out the systems on on different air, aircraft and and helicopters and stuff. But anyway, so I wanted to take them up to Lake Tahoe and and show them what how beautiful it is from the air. So we take off out of here. It just happens to be the very first ultra hot day of the year. So which uh, we, we we take off at uh, about 10 a.m. and it's already warm. We're in the plane and and getting started up and everything and it's just I'm sweating already. I'm like, mm, "Okay. In order for us to get into the Tahoe base, and I've got to climb up to 115." So, and I'm uh. in a I'm in a I'm in a warrior with her and she's, she's not she's not a, a big person at all and her nephew is 16 so he's a young man so he's not he's he's not very very big either so we had you know half tanks and and uh, we had plenty of uh, weight to spare on takeoff and and knowing that it was probably only going to be about a two hour flight I, I wasn't concerned at all so so we take off out of here and we take off fine, and and I've got about a 500 foot climb, and I'm like, all right, this is awesome. Uh, this this may work out, and as I start heading to the east, my climb rate is just going less and less and less and <laughs> less. So I get out past for the local people here. I get just uh, I get just um, east of Folsom Lake. I'm heading towards like Placerville, and I'm going to go up the Highway 50 route and. And anyway, so I get up there and and I'm not climbing. I'm I'm, I'm at about 6,500 feet. So I um, I had talked to uh, NorCal Approach and and I get outside a certain uh, a certain area and they they transition me over to Oakland Center, and I'm so I'm talking to them. I'm like, uh, Oakland Center, uh, Warrior Two Six Juliet. I, I I need to do a couple of 360s to get get some altitude here. And they're like, not a problem. Go ahead and do what you got to do and just let us know when you want to get back on course. So I do like. Four very shallow, huge 360s. You know, just trying not to lose any lift at all. And my my climb oh, rate's yeah. like a hundred feet per Jeez. minute. I'm like, oh, this That's is gonna not take gonna a work. while. It's gonna take a while. So, and then I get, I finally get up to uh, 8,500 feet, and that was it. Density altitude by this time was probably an additional 3,000 feet, 3,500 oh, feet. So. This poor little warrior is just. I get to 8,500 feet, and I'm trying to catch some like canyon uh, uh, rise, and, and I, I would get a little bit of a rise off a off a one, and I'd come back around, and I'd catch the downside. It would suck me back down like 500 feet, and I go back up. I'm like, okay, we're not going anywhere. So I had to. Uh. I, I I get on the I get on the the intercom, and I'm like, well, guys, um, I don't think we're gonna make it this time. And they're like, oh no no, it's fine, it's totally fine. I'm like. But you don't know what you're missing. They're like, that that's okay. We're up. We're flying. We're enjoying the you know the the Sierras and that's I'm cool. Like, I'm like, okay, well that's great. I call up uh, I call up Oakland Center and I'm like, uh, Oakland Center Warrior um, Two Six Juliet. Um, 
my poor little warrior just doesn't have it in her today to climb up above to eleven five. So we're just gonna divert and head over to the uh, over back to the north, and then probably back home. And they're like, totally understandable, not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, yeah. they're like, so you're gonna, you're not gonna go to Tahoe now. It's like I wish I could, but I just can't get her, get her to climb anymore. Oh yeah. So, um, so we ended up uh, heading back up. Just stayed in the over the foothills and saw some really cool stuff. A lot of the, you know, other mountain lakes and and, and stuff. But yeah, um, density altitude in a in a poor little 160, 180 horse uh, Cherokee is is yeah, it was not our friend. <laughs> So we ended up, uh, I ended up taking them to see some other stuff in the area, and, and uh, we, we came back. And it ended up being uh, 2.0 on the Hobbs by all the time, but, you know, by everything, by yeah. the time everything was done. But I, I was really disappointed that I couldn't get them up to Tahoe at least. But uh, there's a couple of other local uh, aviators from the Bay Area that had actually gone up to Truckee, uh, which is, um, it's it's a... It is a larger airport um, just on the west side of, uh, of Lake Tahoe um, that, you know, Learjets and stuff go into. So, like, when all the, the snow bunnies come in, it's kind of like when you're going into uh, Wyoming. Uh, but the snow bunnies, they'll, they'll all land either, you know, King Airs or uh, Citations or whatever. So it's the big enough airport that they can go in. Um, some of those guys actually flew up into, into Truckee, and they've got, one guy has, I think, a 182 turbo, and he said he was having a tough time. So I was like, okay, Jeez, I don't feel okay. so bad. No. <laughs> no, not at all. So they said density altitude up there. They actually had to wait for the sun to start to go down. Uh, uh, Truckee, I think, is at like 6,500 feet, 7,000 feet, and they said it was, uh, they pulled up the ATIS, and it was like, with density altitude, it was almost 14.5. So, Jeez. yeah. So they were like, yeah, I guess we're going to hang out for a little while and let things settle down. Nothing like doing a 15,500-foot pattern. Exactly. So, anyway, we, uh, we, we had a really good time, and, uh, you know, they, they loved it, took a whole bunch of pictures. But uh, that was the first time that I've actually experienced not being able to climb anymore. Mm. So, anyway, that was... Uh, that was the extent of my flying there, but that was uh, that was. You were probably at the effective service ceiling of the aircraft. You know, I I, I, yeah, I started thinking about considered. it, doing the math. If you you know we're at eighty five and and with probably another thirty five hundred uh, of density altitude, yeah. So that put us at what twelve thousand? <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty close for a warrior. Right, and especially a warrior with a lot of weight on it. Yeah, yeah, that there, yeah. Yep, so, yeah. I want I once took uh, the Cessna one seventy two I rent up to over. Uh, I think it was close to either 14.3 or 14.6, just just once, just to see, and kind of like you, it got to the point where it was climbing at like 55 feet a minute. I was like, well, I guess we're done. Yeah. <laughs> Coming back down. It was a, it was a, I glided almost all the way back to Phoenix from that point. Coming back from Tucson. <laughs> you know what? That's funny. When when I started to head back west, um, as we made our course up north, and then I I called him, a, you know, canceled the flight following, and started heading back down. I literally put the back to idle and just nosed in, nosed over, and about a five hundred foot descent rate, and it took us right back, almost into pattern altitude. So it was actually kind of cool. It uh, if if I if it was my plane that I owned, I'd be happy, but. <laughs> Didn't matter that the dial's still turning. 
economy cruise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, Conway, are you there? John, what? Uh, tell us. Oh what yeah. Flight you got to go do, even though you have a child that it shouldn't be allowed. But uh, so Mama Conway allowed it, so we'll, we'll say it's okay. <laughs> It was uh, it was more not that I wasn't allowed to go up. I had to beg and barter to um, ensure that she would take care of the kid the night before so I could get enough sleep to actually fly. Because yeah. uh, the last thing I was going to do is go up on no sleep and try to fly an airplane. So like every time I, I schedule a early morning flight, you know, a 6 a.m. or something to where I got to be up at at least by 5 I have the hardest time going to sleep because I must be excited about the flight the next day and I, I just sit there and I'm like, really? I'm still awake? I know it's been like at least an hour sitting here in bed. <laughs> I don't know. I never had that problem. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was um, essentially I, I I don't know, I guess another night I got the shaft on taking care of him all night and letting her sleep, but um, <laughs> uh, she, let me, she let me get a bunch of sleep the night before. <laughs> And uh, we ended up, yeah. <laughs> hey, he's a whiny little kid right now. Um, Shaft Conway. Yeah. Shaft. Uh, <laughs> no, and I'm sorry, we didn't go with Piper or any of those. You know, I, I, I apologize on the naming situation. Uh, yeah, I know. Owen isn't quite a aviation name. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> Yep, we'll roll with that one. Um, so anyway, I went up when my um, sister-in-law, my brother-in-law, and my niece and nephew were here. Um, I guess a week or two. I guess last week, actually. Um, they were in town, and these were the two kids I'd taken up. Uh, was it New Year's Eve um, last year? And so we didn't really get to do a whole long flare or anything like that. It was very quick. So um, when I found out they were coming out here, I said, well, why don't we go up again? We can actually go somewhere at this time and, like, do a longer flight and since uh my brother-in-law was actually going to be back um from being stationed away for a while um i knew he would be game to go up so um convinced my sister-in-law to let everybody come and uh so she was game with it and essentially took up my brother-in-law my niece and my nephew and we flew down to cambridge maryland it's flighted to other times about a half hour away um it's an hour on the hobs after you do everything there and back um but it was a it was a pretty good flight. Um, it, beautiful day. It was like the one day that week that it was just clear in a million, um, almost no wind whatsoever. It was just fantastic. Um, I don't even think there was a ceiling when we went down. And on the way back, there was actually like a really scattered layer at like four thousand feet. Um, which go figure. I was climbing it like you know four thousand feet with it was two full adults and then two tiny kids. I think. There's seven and four seven and five actually because they're two years apart so a lot of weight but not like a whole lot of weight in the airplane but i could definitely feel it at like 4500 feet on a hot day trying to <laughs> climb um to get above the clouds a little bit and i was like i hit the point i was like i'm just not even gonna bother with this anymore it's i'm not <laughs> just not gaining enough to get over the next cloud layer and i'm like we already gotta start coming back down anyway to hit um the bravo shelf so and kind of gave up on that but it was kind of cool because we got to fly like at the cloud layer which i think the kids enjoyed cool. um but yeah we went down to cambridge to get yeah 
uh, went down to Cambridge to get food and go figure. I picked the one day of the week that they were closed, which was a Wednesday. Um, so got my first courtesy car. Um, cause I get down there and they're like, yeah, I like the, sorry, the thing's closed. Um, I was like, so can I get to, it was the easiest way to get to town. I'm like, we got a courtesy car. I was like, all right, let's do it. So, uh, he's fill out the paperwork or whatever. And then he takes me down to where the car is. And it is this beat up old police interceptor. Yes, there are two kinds of um, courtesy cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the check engine light was on. Uh, there was like no headrest or anything. It was like these giant, just fluffy seats that look like they belong in like a boat. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we uh, we only had to go like half a mile down the road, but still, it was uh, it was quite the interesting experience, especially with the kids in the back. Um, but overall, I mean, it was a it was a great flight. I've uh, got two two hours on the hobs there and i think actually since the last time we talked i did another flight too before this to keep currency um just solo um did some solo pattern work and got my three landings in um but i will say between the last time um i flew with the kids and then the time i flew by myself um since i actually flew with um pilot damon damon favor uh he mentioned something when I was landing at, cause I, I had a really bad landing in, um, how was it? Wildwood back in February, March, I forget when. And, uh, he was talking about this paper that I think like somebody in NASA did or something. And, um, essentially they were talking, they were tracking the eyes of pilots as they were coming on final to see where they were looking. And, um, you know, a lot of people and a lot of newer pilots and stuff were looking everywhere, like just down the runway, look at this gauge, look at that gauge, look over there, look to the right, and look down the runway. And then they realized that like the really good professional pilots looked at two things. They looked at the runway and they looked at their airspeed. And then they looked at the runway and then they looked at their airspeed. And that was it. And as soon as I started focusing on doing that, my landings got like a million times better. <laughs> um, and I actually greased a couple of them this time, so... Yeah, that's, I was, that's totally I was pretty happy with it. Um, look, at just, you know, focus on the end of the runway and make sure your speed's on par with where you need to be. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing else that matters at that point, right? Like, once you're on final, that's it. They're completely useless <laughs> because, you know, you're going to land in a, in a couple of seconds, so. <laughs> it doesn't really matter yeah. what your uh, what your exhaust temperature is at this point, or your altitude. Well, maybe your altitude. <laughs> it kind of depends upon the approach, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, but uh, um, I don't know. Overall, pretty happy with it, and uh, you know, keeping currency right now, which I'm happy with. So uh, I'll probably try to get up um, uh, early next month. I'm going on vacation in in August down to Myrtle Beach, so I'm thinking early August I'll probably try to get up again. Um, I'm not going to be able to do every month right now. It's just going to be too hard, but I think every other month is going to be totally totally doable. So uh, as long as I don't have to go up with an instructor, you know, except when I have to, it's not like to get currency back again, then I'm yeah. going to be happy. Excellent. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. At this point, I'm lucky to get up once a month as it is. Yeah. I'm in that boat too. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to change boats. Yeah. Me too. Speaking of someone who usually gets to fly a little bit more often than that, 
Bradley, what's happening, man? Well, <laughs> um, I've, I've, I'm a little bit in that boat. I had, uh, the last time we talked, I was planning a trip down to uh, Arkansas to visit family. And <clears throat> after much back and forth and jockeying and whatnot, I eventually just had to cancel and suck it up and uh, spend 28 hours in the car. Um, and uh, that was no fun. Uh, and then this past weekend, Saturday, was going to fly here from here up to Madeline Island, which is in the Apostle Islands in Wisconsin, uh, just a little ways into Lake Superior, uh, just for a day trip, uh, just to kind of get away from from things and get to cooler weather and uh, and that sort of thing. And that didn't pan out in quite the way I had hoped. Um, so departed out of Crystal, uh, headed northeast, had to, the, the Crystal airspace, the Class Delta, has about 200 yards between it and the Class Delta for uh, Anoka, um, Alpha November Echo. Uh, and so got a, got cleared to switch over to their air, uh, their frequency, and got a transition and was transitioning with through them and they gave me the tip to check in at 23 Delta which is a little class golf airport uh, a few miles outside of their airspace uh, because they had jumpers and, oh, okay and uh, you know find the frequency on the f uh, and dial it in and you know sure enough I check in and I can hear the jumper pilot say, yeah, jumpers are away, 11,000 feet, um, they'll be landing, you know, at the airport. And so, you know, kind of keep my eyes open and trying to figure that out. And uh, before I know it, they're already on the ground. So great. Um, and it's a busy day. It's a beautiful day to fly, uh, you know, clear skies and not much wind. And so everybody at, at this little airport, Forest Lake, is... Um, is is taken advantage and uh the jumper plane's coming back and there he's announcing his position and i'm announcing my position he's like okay i've got you in sight and all of a sudden the engine uh, in the mooney that i'm flying um starts running really rough and i look over at the jpi which is the engine monitor mm -hmm. uh, and it shows three cylinders in the temperature range that i would expect and one cylinder Number four is completely off. Oh, um, so no, no reading from it at all. And uh -huh. I'm looking at my situation. All of a sudden, I'm like, okay, what are my choices? I could try to return to Crystal, which is now 25, 30 miles away. I could try to return to Anoka, or I can land at the airport that's like two and a half miles from me, and. Um, but I'm, I'm looking at this situation going, this could go from, from I'm able to fly the airplane and, and go where I want to all of a sudden I have very limited choices. Uh, that could happen in a, in a really big hurry. So I decided to uh, declare an emergency um, because I didn't want to wait in line to, uh, to get into 2-3 Delta. And I declared an emergency and said I am... Uh, coming in, I'll be making a, a landing just as soon as I can get on the ground. I'm three miles to the north. 
and uh, it was really a, it was really a good experience. There, you know, there were five or six other pilots either doing pattern work or about to land or about to depart the airport, and they all immediately gave way uh, and were asking uh, if I needed any assistance or if if I needed anything at all, and. Um, I had, first of all, I had to find the airport. Uh, this is a grass field in the middle of, you know, a lot of grass fields uh, and farms and lakes and everything. And I was really grateful that ForeFlight has the option to display an extended center line for an airport. And so all I had oh, to do yeah. was fly up to that turn and look straight ahead. Uh, and then it, it, was, it was real obvious where the airport was. So that was a nice... Um, boon to my situational awareness. Um, that's a that's a cool feature. How far out does that extend? Do you know? It, several miles. Yeah, plenty for what you need, right? Plenty for what you need. Yeah, it's probably five miles, well, maybe. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and so you know, you fly up to it, you turn onto it, and you're pointed at the airport. It's really nice for airports with lots of runways, and you know, you're like, I can't necessarily see it. You know, it, it's just hard to pick out where I need to turn to hit this runway, um, and it—it's I, I, a real boon uh, to to understanding where you're at. And I know you can do the same thing with a 430, but I was busy, <laughs> and um, you know, I'm running through a checklist, running running my options the whole time of like, okay, where do I go if the engine quits? Now I have to fly over two lakes, a highway trees and high tension power lines before I land at this airport. And so I'm just continuously like yeah. trying to get the airplane ready and trying to fly the airplane and trying to run my options the whole time. I'm in a very excited state at this point because I just don't know if the engine's going to quit. Um, yeah, I could get real sporty real fast. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to be ready if it did. Um, and you know the engine held out, and uh, I made a far too fast no flap landing unintentionally no flap landing onto this little grass field. And as I'm floating over the runway, I'm like, I really don't want to go around. If I overrun this, I'm just going to be in like a dirt field. <laughs> like this is going to not be very pleasant. Mm -hmm. uh, but I managed to get the aircraft slowed down and uh, turned off at the end uh, onto the taxiway and got to a parking area and shut down, um, released the seat cushion, and um, shut you know shut everything down and just kind of breathed a big sigh of relief that I had gotten the situation managed and you know every we're now in 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 safe mode um so it took a little time to kind of unwind and then started working the, the logistical problems you know calling somebody at the club and saying okay the plane's out of order and um sending an email out and working out how i'm going to get home because now i'm 50 miles away and you know how do i get back uh, it turns out that that, that uh, AOPA has a discount at a lot of car rental places. That's like 30%. Uh, yeah. And that turned out, that was a real boon. Um, so shout out, early shout out to AOPA. Nice. Yeah. How did you find that out? 
Um, I knew that it was a member that it was a member benefit, and I've used it in the past. Um, I used it when I went out to Denver oh, when okay. I was renting a car. All right, that's cool. And so we were looking at car rental options, and I was like, hey, you know, I think let me check and make sure. I'm pretty sure Enterprise is one, and written on the back of your AOPA member card are the promo code that you use at like enterprise and a couple of other places national i think is another one uh and um and so you can just key that right in and oh yeah you just gave it to them and and boom it, it was like 30 percent off of a car rental avis budget and hertz i see that's awesome okay. and i know they have national also okay cool because that's what we used um yeah, so I had to tie down the airplane. You know, I was talking to the the guy running the jump uh, jump plane, um, who's you know a dude who's building time, and you know he's like, yeah, I had to dead stick it in once from uh, for fuel exhaustion, uh, and he's like, that was that was real exciting too. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll bet. Um, but uh, you know, we got the plane tied down and got everything taken care of um they they took they went out and picked the plane up um got a ferry permit to move it back and mechanics started looking at it and uh pulled pulled the valve covers off on number four which was the cylinder that was that was apparently dead and uh looks like the camshaft is flat for the cam that does the intake valve on number four. Oh, so wow. it, it was only like the exhaust valve would open like an inch, like the the rocker arm would push up about an inch, and the intake valve would push up like a quarter inch. He's like, yeah, there's just no air going in there, and uh, apparently this was the same problem that I experienced with the same with this same aircraft in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, in the beginning of May. So, uh, looks like we finally found the problem. You know, the bad news is that they have to do an engine teardown. So they have to take the engine off, crate it up, ship it out. You know, the plane's going to be offline for a good month and a half. I don't, it's looking like end of August is when we'll get it back online. So bad time to lose it, but at least we lost it in a, in a way that there was no damage or, or hurt people. Yeah, absolutely. But wow, that, you know, who knows how much longer things were going to hold out. Yeah, I, you know, exactly. Uh, it was funny. The mechanic was kind of mad. He's like, you guys should not have been, because it was under warranty and he was going to have to foot the bill. Oh, yeah. Um, he's like, you guys shouldn't have been flying the plane. And our maintenance manager is like, look, the engine was looked at and signed off by an A&P. Like, how would we know not to fly it after that? Why? What possible indication would we have to not continue flying the engine? Exactly. And, uh, you know, we, it was just this one time was worse than the others, and so the pilot chose to make a precautionary emergency landing, and, you know, now we know. But in any case, um, yeah, I was scheduled to take that plane in late August and I just got an email this evening from uh, from our club that uh, that my reservation has been canceled <laughs> so that kind of stinks yeah um, but again it beats the alternative uh, there was another guy who had it I, I flew it on Saturday the 2nd of July 
and another guy had it on Sunday to fly to a family reunion, and he was really mad that, you know, here I here I've taken the plane out again and it's stranded again, and I think he was kind of <laughs> mad about it. Like you're doing something on purpose. Yeah. And I'm like, I just probably saved your bacon. Like you would have been flying over the middle of nowhere and had to make an off-field landing. Oh yeah. And, you know, Lord knows what would have happened to you. And yeah. Anyway. Um. All's well that ended ends well, and and this ended as as well as it could, minus you know having to rent a car and drive back home. Um. So yeah, other than that, I've got uh, a South Dakota trip coming up next weekend. It will be the last flight of our Cherokee Six. It has been sold, pending an annual. Um, not even pending. It's been sold. The guy just wants an annual done. He wants us to pay for the annual, uh, which is due in August anyway. So hmm. we uh, we said, okay, we'll do the annual. We'll take your money. Yeah. And uh, so. Uh, the annual is starting the day after I bring the plane back. Oh, really? So I will take it on the 15th and fly to uh, Rapid City, South Dakota, uh, airport code Kilo Romeo Alpha Papa. You can pronounce that one out if you'd like. Um, Rapid City is notable for being right next to Ellsworth Air Force Base and a Delta uh, plane recent, not recently, uh, quite a few years ago now, uh, landed at Ellsworth when it was supposed to land at Rapid City. And they sent out a bunch of dudes in a Jeep with a machine gun on the back of it and said, nobody get out of this plane. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a bad day for the pilots. Um, and then, yeah, after that, I've got another trip to uh, someplace in central Wisconsin. I don't know. Chris wants to go. So I'm I up for I'd anything. A, I said I'd give him a ride. Whatever. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. I'll. I'll be. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to. I'm not la, listening. La, la, la. <laughs> Rock your wings. <laughs> yeah, I'm yep. Need a, an extra set of eyes so I don't get in another near midair. So. Yeah, I don't know about you lately. I might have to be PIC on that flight. Uh, all you have to do is join the club. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> yeah. Just a just a small buy-in. Do they do it daily? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just have to buy a share. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, Oshkosh uh, is looking like fun. I I got a note that there's going to be a pot of palooza this year. Hey, Wednesday at the Pipistrel. Oh, um, all right. Because interesting. Sennheiser is no longer in aviation, so they won't be. Oh, I assume they're not going to be there. So, um, I, I'd be surprised if they're not in aviation anymore. Yeah. We just thought we'd come and sell really expensive head, headphones. Yeah. We have some leftover stock we'd like to get rid of, though. Yeah. I wouldn't mind. I take it. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, yeah, and seeing all my friends at Camp Bacon, um, the Mars water bomber, I'm curious to see oh the my largest water gosh. bomber. Dude, we got to figure out when that comes in. I want to see that landing on the on the lake oh yeah that would be cool i'm trying to get a demo right in that thing but uh i don't know and once again <laughs> i want to hit up the pilot proficiency center and fly a bunch of approaches on the cheap there you go so seeing friends hey we're gonna get things. 
we're gonna get uh, the pick of the place for our camp spot this year. You know, being this early. early. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I hope uh, I hope um, that uh, um, um, you get your it. memory back. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should have another drink here. Uh, Pete. I hope Pete uh, makes it up there, man. Um, Shout out to Pete. Yeah, Pete. You know, you got to bring, bring the trailer. Chris's trailer. Yeah. So, so Pete. Pete bought my trailer. This is funny. Okay, this, this is kind of a funny story. So, <clears throat> you guys know I I have a trailer and we go camping and whatnot. And so, we decided to buy. A, a, so a that's why he was in Phoenix. And sell our old trailer. So I'm like, well, before I throw it up on Craigslist, I'm just going to throw it out there on Facebook. I know, you know, a few people might be interested. And sure enough, not a few minutes after I post it, Pete's like, hey, I'm down. I'll buy that thing. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's cute. You're you're like in San Francisco, dude. You know, you're in NorCal. You ain't coming to Phoenix to go buy a trailer. And anyways, I had someone else who was interested, and I was talking to him a little bit. And Pete's like, no, I'm serious. I'm interested, you know. And, we, and I'm like, certainly you can find a $6,000 trailer somewhere a lot closer than Phoenix. And he's like, and Pete's like, it's all about the experience, you know, and I trust you. I know you've kept it up. I've seen videos, pictures, whatnot. So yeah, I'm in. So I'm like, all right. So I kept it for him. And, and, um, and he's like, all right, now I need to sell my car and go buy a truck. And so I'm like, okay. So, uh, he goes out and buys it. Yeah. Right. Just needs a truck now. Cause he had like this little sports car or something. So, um, so Pete went out and bought an F-150 and uh, drove that thing down to Phoenix and uh, picked up the trailer and and drove it back and and uh, he's been having a ball in it. Uh, so uh, it'd be great if he gets to make it to Oshkosh and we get to camp in it. That'd be awesome. He, uh, you know, I remember at uh, Sun and Fun he was talking to uh, Mike because you know Mike has been doing the whole yeah. living in the trailer, traveling the country thing and. Uh, yeah, I remember he was getting a tour, and he seemed really interested with it. So I wasn't surprised at all to see he had a trailer. Oh, I just really? didn't know it was yeah. yours. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I missed that part. But uh, man, he looks like he's having such a blast, and he has decked that thing out too oh, with yeah, aviation oh, stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, it's all themed out, and he's given it a name and all this stuff. So it's awesome. Um, you know, his his mom unfortunately passed away not too long ago, so he's been in the process of um, refurbishing her old house and getting ready to sell it. So he has the trailer, I think, like parked out in front of it, the house. And so he's doing work on the house and then living in this trailer. So it's worked out good for him. Uh, so anyways, man, so much stuff going on. We've, uh, we've already knocked out about an hour of recording here, so we should probably move on. But um, I, had, I had a couple of things I wanted to uh, bring up. Uh, number one, I noticed that uh, Doc, uh, the B-29, is, uh, I think it's got, she, he's got his uh, air, airworthiness certificate now. Yes. I don't think it has flown yet. Right. But it is ready to fly um, its first flight under its, uh, its new certificate. So I think it's, uh, I think it's ready to go. I don't think, uh, I haven't heard anything about it supposed to be in at Oshkosh, but it would be a fantastic surprise to see uh, Doc and Fifi together. And I'm sure if it's not this year, you know, it's got to happen next year, right? Crickets. I would imagine. I imagine if it's... You know, uh, that'd yeah. be pretty cool. Um, did you guys hear that <laughs> Senator Anhoff... Uh, force landed another airplane recently 
No. Oh, no. <laughs> was, it on a, was it on a runway that was closed? I was going to say, was it closed? <sighs> no. I, he Apparently, he was, <laughs> this guy has some track record with crashing airplanes, but um, not that, the, you know, this... He apparently was dodging a deer. Um, he said that he had... Uh, he yeah, veer- we used that story with our Mooney, and the last teardown was, uh, yeah, dodging a deer. <laughs> Quote, unquote. Yeah. yeah. He, he veered into the brush to avoid a deer on the runway, is what he said. So, yeah, he's, he's got, uh, you know, here, here's, a, here's a pilot with, uh, according to the information on AvWeb, 11,000 hours logged, you know. So um, he's very well known in the aviation community, especially being a, an advocate for the um, third-class medical reform. But he has had um, quite a few, you know, issues with when it comes to landing so anyways um yeah he's okay no one was hurt and he dodged the deer so i guess i guess we're all good there the deer got away yeah yeah um oh this i i saw a new app that you uh you uh fruit uh phone users might like i'm gonna throw it uh throw it here in the notes real quick it is called should I stay or should I go? There's an app that helps you determine whether or not you should take off or not uh, or stay based on current weather conditions, as if you can't make up your own mind. There's an app yeah, for that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, they're <laughs> just waiting for the lawsuit. I'm sure there's, uh, there's plenty of legal stuff agreeing that, hey, uh, you're making up your own mind. We're just here to help uh, give you some information to make that decision. You know, I'm sure they're never... <laughs> they're not, they're not. Uh, they're not saying, "Hey, only rely on this." But it looks pretty cool uh, from the uh, screenshots. Um, but uh, it's always, uh, you know, sometimes reading uh, weather information on your mobile device and stuff can be tedious and sometimes difficult and so forth. I think this just makes it a little bit easier to uh, help determine if the current weather conditions should, you know, well, what would allow you to fly or not, you know, based on some extra information. So kind of neat. Thought you thought you fruit guys might like it. So it looks like the it looks like the extra information is actual personal minimums. So it appears that you actually go in and log what your mm-hmm. personal minimums are, and then it just graphically shows you based on the weather reports whether the weather whether <laughs> the weather uh, it meets your minimums or not, uh, and kind of gives you like a little clock thing and kind of tells you. A, yay or nay so it looks like they're not making any decisions for you they're just taking info you put in and and then at taking the um, weather currently in your in your in your way taking the weather and just saying yeah uh yeah something like that and just saying yes or no think hard Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah kind of neat so i can see an advantage to just quickly just from a color perspective as an extra bit of information saying Yep, what I saw is right. I mean, that could be nice. But yeah, but. you really have to make up your own mind because, like, the person your minimums right before a thunderstorm rolls through the Midwest. I mean, the weather is great. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> just like at Oshkosh, right? Speaking of that, did you? Yeah. I just I just signed up for that text alerting thing about the weather. It's like uh, you know how that weather changes like from minute to minute. It seems like. Yeah, when the when the thunderstorms come through, it gets exciting in a hurry. Yeah. For sure. Oh well, wasn't it? I don't know if it was last year that we missed like a storm 
like minutes after we la that we landed. Oh, it wasn't last year. It must have been the year before. But uh, yeah, that was crazy. But uh, yeah, they. Yeah, I remember that one. That was uh, we were driving back in that. That's right. It was yeah, awful. I think. Did you come to pick me up at uh, at um, Appleton? It, or or. So, yeah, wasn't that the year? Um, and then it was like going crazy. And we came back and like half the, oh, yeah. the camp was yeah. demolished. It looked like a tornado went through. It's crazy. No, wasn't that the one that there was? Uh, it may not be on a tornado, but I think it actually. Oh yeah, there was. Uh, was there some planes damaged? I know that. Um, I know I I'm thinking so. sun and fun now, but I think that I think that there was a couple of smaller planes that got damaged um, at Osh that year. There usually are. Yeah. Hmm. Anyways, um, man, that's about it that uh, that uh, I wanted to talk about. Anybody else have anything that uh, they wanted to bring up real quick? No, I'm good. good. Shout out. We'll call it. Uh, I do have a shout out real quick though. Um, I have a shout out to uh, Mike Hart, aka uh, at, on uh, the Twitter machine ID Mike. Uh, yeah. Just just got his uh, just uh, passed his CFI check ride. So congrats to Mike. Woohoo! Especially if you're up in that area and you want your tailwell endorsement, that's your guy to see right there. Oh yeah. Anybody else? I'll just repeat my shout out to AOPA for providing awesome member discounts and actually the EAA for providing uh, free access to science museums, which I seem to manage to use several times a year. <laughs> and that was, uh, so you was mentioning AOPA and I was reading off the back of the EAA card. Oh. So, so you're right. Yeah. So a a AOPA had like Alamo, uh, Avis, Enterprise, Hertz, and then you mentioned one other. I think National. National, yeah. That's awesome. I never noticed. I never looked at the back of the card that much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you ever rent a car, uh, that that's the way to go because it's a huge discount. And uh, if you ever go to a science museum, use your EAA membership. It'll generally get you in for free to the to the general admission part. Oh, that's cool. That's it for me. Same here. Me too. So anyway, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Let everyone know where they can find us online. And let's start with you, Chris. Sure, you can uh, shoot me an email, first of all, at chris at inthepatternpodcast.com. You can usually find me on the Twitter machine at uh, cholubaz. That's uh, C-H-O-L-U-B-A-Z. Or on the uh, Facebook, just uh, Chris Holub. And Mark, how about you? Uh, you can email me at mark at inthepatternpodcast.com. Dot com. Uh, I haven't been on Twitter as much, but that one is CA Pilot Mark. Uh, and I've been more on Facebook lately, as many have commented. Um, but uh, yeah, Mark Lacoste on uh, Facebook. And Brad? You can reach me via email at brad at in the pattern podcast.com. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter machine at Brad Kane, or you can find me as just Brad Kane on Facebook. Uh, and uh, you might see me post something there, but maybe not. Um, and uh, of course, Kane is spelled Kilo Oscar Echo Hotel November, just like it sounds. 
And for me, you can find me at John at InThePatternPodcast.com. I'm on Twitter at Pilot Conway and pretty much everywhere else on the internet. Um, and for all of us, you can reach us all at podcast at InThePatternPodcast.com or on Twitter is InThePattern or you can like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash InThePatternPodcast. Uh, show notes for this episode and other episodes can be found on our website at InThePatternPodcast.com. Uh, send us any suggestions, comments, critiques. We'd love to get any and all feedback from our listeners. And with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up episode 62 of the In The Pattern podcast. We'd like to thank you all for listening and remember, make left traffic, you're clear for the option.